This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hi, I'm Ron Paul, former congressman and presidential candidate. I'm here to tell you about a product that might just save your lives. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With this great product, you can freeze dry the food your family loves, and it will last for 25 years. Our ancestors preserved and prepared for difficult times, shouldn't we? To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-594-4635. That's 800-594-4635. Hello, America. Welcome to the program. So glad that you have joined us today. A lot on the plate. We want to talk about Brexit. This is something that no one in America is really talking about. Everyone is talking about in Europe. And it happens, is today Tuesday or Wednesday? Today's Tuesday. Happens on Thursday. It means the British exit of the EU. It is close. What are they going to do? The reason why this matters is because it is going to change the world Uh, And it could change the world by as early as next week. Also, four gun control bills failed in the Senate yesterday. An amazing story from American Airlines. Uh, Also, the threat against Trump's life. Pray for our Secret Service. Uh, And I think a different perspective on, on, on what do you do. I actually agree with Paul Ryan when he says... You got to tell people, vote their conscience. There's nothing you can do. Vote your conscience. What does your conscience tell you to do? New perspective on that, and we begin right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Because we have one. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Because we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hmm. It's a... Eric Schmidt from Google dismisses the um, AI fears. I don't know about you, but Eric Schmidt doesn't really give me a warm, fuzzy feeling on any of this. Remember when we had Eric Schmidt in from, uh, from Google? Good He's the CEO of Google. Great interview. Um, but I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable that he was disagreeing with his own book uh, while he was in the interview. And he said to me afterwards, he said, you're the only one. I've done a thousand interviews. He said, you're the only one that's actually read my book. <laughs> and I said, that's really sad because that is full of unbelievable stuff. But you seem to be backpedaling on some of the book here. I believe your joke to him at the time was, I don't know if you've read it either. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that was my joke to him. Um, but he is uh, talking about AI fears, um, and I, 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 I want to talk to you about that today. If we have time, we have to talk about what is coming. I started writing some science fiction short stories uh, over the weekend. Don't know if I'll ever do anything with them. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll just tell one uh, of them to you today, um, because they all have to do with the science of, not tomorrow, the science of today. We are entering science fiction world, uh, and we better wake up. Now, Brexit, that happens on Thursday. Have you guys read about the MP, Joe Fox, or Joe Cox? 
Yeah, terrible. Horrible, right? Yeah. You know the story? You know what happened to her? I mean, you know, just brief reports I've read. Okay, now she is, she was, uh, she was against Brexit. She was for staying. What Brexit means is the British exit out of the Union, uh, out of the European Union, which reminds me, somebody, uh, please do me a favor and trademark Texit for me. Um, but anyway, um, uh, they're, they're thinking about getting out of the British Union, and, or the, uh, sorry, the European Union. And I talked to my kids about this this weekend, and I don't remember which one said to me, why would they want to leave the European Union? And I said, why would they want to be in it? And I explained how Germany and, uh, and England they're having to abide by parliamentary, uh, European parliamentary laws now. And it is, the, it is the euro that is forcing all of these countries to take all of these immigrants. And they don't want to live by that. And it is, it is just like our federal government now forcing states to do things. It's exactly the same, except we're used to the states now, and we shouldn't be, used to the states being subservient to the federal government. Europe is not, Germans certainly aren't, they're not used to being subservient to a federal body that nobody really likes. Germany in particular uh, and England are saying, wait a minute, we're going to have to pay for Italy, we're going to have to pay for Greece, we're going to have to pay for Spain, and these guys have not been producing, we've been working our brains out. Some of these guys, Greece hasn't been working. They've just been spending and borrowing money from us, and we're not going to bail them out. This is really all about bailouts and immigrants. The uh, Minister of Parliament, Joe Cox, is this, is this woman who was for staying in. Most of the elites are for staying in, and they're all warning about doomsday. I personally think... It's not doomsday, but it is going to change the world if they exit. And it could change as fast as next week. And here's why. Do you remember when we talked about reading the diary of the people in uh, Germany from the Second World War and the Depression and the Weimar Republic and when Chancellor came in? And I was, I was reading this old diary from this person, this old guy who had made a record of Germany. And um, actually, I think it was a woman. And she said, um, I heard a new word last week called hyperinflation. No one knew what it was last week. Today, it's the only word anyone is talking about. Brexit may be that word, probably will be over in Europe, but could be here as well. They're saying gold could go up in the next few weeks as high, I've seen as high as $10,000 an ounce. Most people think that it could go two, three to $5,000 an ounce. Why? Because if Britain exits the euro, it will be the first domino to fall and it will show that the euro is not stable. And it will give other countries, for instance, Scotland just tried it. They wanted to do it, but it just lost by like two percentage points at the polls. Um, it, it, if, if Britain does it, 
then Germany's going to start saying, why the hell are we in this thing? We're, we're holding everybody up. They need us. We don't need them. Why are we in this? And there will be a movement and the euro will fall. And everybody will have to reset their currency. It'll be the beginning of a reset of currency. Everybody will have to reset their currency. All the laws will go back. No more European laws. It'll go back to the home countries. It's going to be a nightmare, a nightmare. They have spent billions of dollars putting all this EU framework in. And all of a sudden, the EU parliament is an empty building. Huge, huge change. And will lead to real civil unrest. That happens on Thursday. Joe Cox, she was a woman. She was just in the House of Parliament. So she was, I think she was, she was a House of Commons, wasn't she? She was a common person. She wasn't a lord or a lady. Uh, and, and she was for staying in. And she was killed. And she was shot and stabbed. Now, the guy who did it is a... Is a crazy guy. He's, a, he's, he's certifiably been in the hospital insane. He's out on his own. Um, he functions at a, you know, low-level kind of guy, uh, and uh, kind of like Jeffy. And, um, uh, and somehow or another, this guy got a gun. Now, getting a knife in, in Europe is easy. But when the riots were going on, people weren't getting guns. You can't go buy a gun in, in England. People, the number one selling thing, like last week after the shooting, what was the number one selling item in America? It was an M6, for defense, it was an M16, uh, uh, yeah, M, M16, right? One store sold 15,000 M16s or AR-15s. AR-15, yeah. AR-15s. When the riots were happening over in London, the number one self-defense item that was being sold came from Amazon, and it was an American baseball bat. You don't go out and buy a gun. How'd the guy who was crazy, who we all know because we're being lectured by England, you have to have common sense laws where if you're crazy, you can't buy a gun. How did he get a gun? He comes up to her. He shoots her. And then he stabs her. She's dead. Common conventional wisdom would have you believe that that is going to lead to an upsurge in uh, Brexit beginning a no vote because that was her cause. In fact, everybody was surprised when that didn't happen as big as they thought it would. That was the speculation the minute she died. Looked like we're staying in. Looks like we're going to be staying in because this will play to the British people and they will be for Brexit. Now, Brexit, it looked like last week, it was down seven points. The stay in was down by seven points. After her death, it's now almost tied. Does anybody really think that they're not people? when trillions of dollars and countries are at stake that wouldn't wind up a crazy person? I'm not saying that's what happened. But man, does that seem convenient. Does anybody, how did he get a gun? 
And do you really not, do you really think we go to the movies and we see things like Jason Bourne and we expect that not to be real? Is, do we just go to those movies and see, and see that and go, oh, well, that, that never happens when a trillion dollars is at stake? How about the entire European continent? Does anybody believe, is it just me, that you can trust the vote if it's within, you know, accounting errors. Florida, if it comes down to the chads, you think it's going to go towards the people? No way. No way. The power involved in this. Why are you looking at me like this? Well, Jeffy believes that every vote that doesn't go the way he wants it to is fixed. Yeah, I know. Um, And so I tend to be skeptical on such things. I'm not Uh, saying that that is... Wait, wait, wait. I want to make this clear. I am not saying that the, that the vote is fixed, and I'm not saying that she was killed by some invisible black hand. Right. But you're not not saying. No, what I am saying is, what I am saying is, this is how important this is. Well, yeah. And, and, and you, you must take into consideration, I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to say that this is happening. I'm saying you're foolish if you don't think it could happen in the movies for a trillion dollars. The entire continent of Europe is at stake. I mean, and this is, I'm trying to use this as an example of, you don't know anything. 95% of Americans don't know what Brexit is, and they don't know what it's happening on Thursday. And if they decide to leave, you will know about this soon. No doubt about it. And the fact is, it might happen a lot more than we even would, would assume it happens. It might happen all the time. I mean, like you said, there's trillions of dollars at stake. There are national economies at stake. There's a continental economy. There is the a Western, world, a Western a world economy. economy at stake. Of yes. course, people would conspire to do something about this. Yes. Of course, they would. Um, you know, obviously, we have no idea on this one. But you go back and you look several decades ago when these things we start learning more and more about what really happened within history. I mean, look at Argo, for example. I mean, if you at the time were saying, you know what, actually, they, the Canadians weren't responsible for that. It was the Americans the whole time. And, and the whole time they were going over there with a fake movie crew to pull out all the hostages. You'd be like, you wouldn't what believe the it. hell are you talking about? You're crazy. Mm-hmm. And of course, we now know that that's actually exactly what happened. It wasn't the Canadians. They took responsibility for it for decades so, um, to, to protect us. Uh, so, I mean, those things obviously do happen, but more, more specifically on this case, you're shining a light on how important this is, right? Yes. I'm yeah. not, I'm a not, way to illustrate the, the, how the conspiracy theory is not the important part here. Right. It, it is, I'm sharing that to say to you, this is how important yeah. people will, people will consider killing very important people to make this go one way or another. But just to make sure, I you know, and I, you know, this is not something we've talked about at length on the air. Yeah. But if if you were voting, you'd vote to exit, wouldn't you? Would you not? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I wouldn't want to be part of the European Union. No, I would vote to exit. I'd be like out in a nobody's second. Nobody's business. Okay. I, but I don't know how the the, the the what's sad is we don't know much about it. But the average the average um, Brit also doesn't know very much about it. It, the media is all for it. The elites are all for it. Stay in, stay in, stay in, stay in. It's the small voices like the Tea Party who are like, get out. Get out. Why, why are we tying ourselves to this sinking ship? Get out. It, it's exactly what I would be doing 
If I were English, I would be on that band. I would be on the BBC. Well, I wouldn't be on the BBC. They wouldn't let me. But I would be someplace <laughs> on a street corner saying, get out of the euro. But we will see. Now this. Can I, I want to turn this. I want to turn this next to something pretty controversial. Um, and I want to turn it to the American election. And we'll do that here in just a second. Think about the safety of your family and your home. I'm going to share a story with you from American Airlines that is just horrific. Just horrific. A girl, young girl traveling by herself, and this isn't the first one on American Airlines, molested by a guy who changed seats. Um... You know, there are things that you can protect and there are things you can't. You cannot protect your children all the time. You can't be watching your stuff all the time. Things happen because they're really bad people in the world. But what you can do is take the extra step to do all that you can. And I want to talk to you about Simply Safe because that's all that you can do. This is something where your wires are cut, your phone line is cut, you don't have to worry about it. This is this is all um, digital and wireless. And it uses cellular technology to call the police in case there's a problem. A window opens, a door opens, somebody moves in the house. Now, they have a full security system. You can put it together yourself, or they have a security system this, this summer that you can get, and I don't remember, $100 off or whatever it is. But read the details on the website. But you can install this yourself, and you are totally empowered. You are in control you don't have the $40, $50, $60 a month in, uh, in monitoring. You own the system, and their monitoring is $14.95. $14.99? Uh, $14.95? Okay. Simply Safe. This is the alarm system that we put in my daughter's house, and we trust it. We know they're safe. Simply Safe. Go to simplysafebeck.com. Save 10% at simplysafebeck.com. Com. Glenn Beck. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have one. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have one. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. We have to give the Republicans their due. Uh, congratulations to the Republican Senate for a job well done. That hasn't come across my lips in I don't know how long. Yesterday, four gun control bills failed. And uh, it, it, was, it was dicey. I mean, these were all common sense legislation. All common sense legislation. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get the no-fly. Let's get the no-fly. If you're on the no-fly zone, you can't buy a gun. Hey, we all love the Second Amendment, but we're just going to ignore it. <laughs> and we're right. just going to circumvent well, it. And the fifth. All. 
We, we don't need the, the fifth, fifth either. I mean, uh, it's, no, you're proven. You're, you're just guilty. You lose your constitutional right. It's just before proven sense. guilty. Well, not well, if you, you don't lose wait, it. You don't lose it. You just have to good behavior for five years. Let you earn back the right you were given by God. Or, or you can prove that you didn't need to be on the list. We can take you right. Off. Right. Yeah, if you're not supposed to be on the list, just prove you weren't it supposed took, to be on the it list. It only took Ted Kennedy six months to get his senator, Ted Kennedy, to get his name off that list. Only took him six months. It's got to take you, what, six, six years? Six, if, if, if you're out that. in six years. Yeah. The Seriously. average person couldn't afford the attorney bill. And you're not even going to know. You're not right. even no going to know no, until you try to buy a gun or you go to an or airport. you go to the airport. And then they're going to say, oh, I'm sorry. You're on a no-fly list. You're on the no-fly list. What are you talking about? How? What? And then you have to figure out how to get to the secret FISA court. Yeah. How do I, what what evidence do you have against me? We can't show you that. We can't show you that. Because I can't tell you what it is. You can't fight. You can't go to court. You got nothing. You got nothing. Thank you, U.S. Senate, for stopping that nightmare. That bothers me more in a minute. And another question, a little controversial, tied directly to a news story yesterday. Coming up. The Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenbeck Program. I, um, we have so much to try to get through today and, and try to um, give you some perspective on some things. First, I want to say uh, I wrote something last night on Facebook, and I'm, I'm disgusted by the people who respond on Facebook now. I am literally disgusted by... They are a, no, they are, they are a waste... <laughs> Of <laughs> brain matter. What? They really are. Don't you God re- is looking down and saying, I wasted <laughs> all that brain matter. <laughs> Don't you remember, Pat, the days where Glenn would come in and say, No, you know, if you engage with these people and tell them mm-hmm. these wonderful eventually. No, but you know what? A, I, a, I, yes. I have I, I do that still. I do that still on some, but some are just so stupid. Oh my gosh. Um one person wrote delegates. You know, he got all the delegates, um, D, D-E-L-G-I-T-S. Uh, look, that spell check is... <sighs> yeah, is overrated. I mean, you have spell check for the love of Pete. But anyway, this is what I wrote last night. I have said for years that this may be the summer of 1968 and all that it entailed. Anything untrue about that? This election would be 1968. I thought it was going to be in Philadelphia, but I think it's going to be in Cleveland. And all that that entails, that we will hit. The only thing that's missing is... Assassination. I fear I may be right. There is a disturbing story from Vegas today. I don't care if you plan on voting for Trump, Hillary, or Mickey Mouse. 
Please pray for peace and protection of all of our candidates. I have warned and I have asked for a house cleaning at the highest levels of Secret Service as I was greatly and gravely concerned for years about President Obama's security. We are all clear on that one? How many times was I on Fox when the Secret Service stuff was happening and I'm like, they got to clean this out. There's got to be a, a federal investigation of the Secret Service, and you've got to fire the top management. There's a problem. The, the president is in danger. I have asked for prayers for those who are on the details of our leaders, no matter if I agree with them or not. Biggest example is Barack Obama. We are all Americans, and one thing that should still unite us um, is that unlike other countries, we don't kill our leaders. Our Secret Service and federal and local law enforcement risk our lives for, our, for us and our Constitution. But I believe trouble is coming and they need our prayers. I began to say this over five years ago, that when we get to the summer of rage, the only thing that is missing is assassinations of high-level officials, public figures, and personalities. Our country will tear itself apart, and it does no good except for those who want chaos. It would destroy us and give the gun grabbers all the reasons in the world to act in an overwhelming way. Please let this be one of the things that I am wrong about. But pray tonight and every night for peace and safety for all of those in the public eye, especially the candidates at all levels of government. How do you disagree with that? How do you possibly disagree with that? I get up this morning and I check Facebook and I'm just looking through. And there are people who are like, and, and the story I attach to it is the story about the guy who is saying that he was going to go kill Donald Trump. And we caught him, thank God. He's a, he, is he illegal? Illegal immigrant? Or just an immigrant? I we have had illegal. presidents and we have had candidates shot. Do we need to remember Robert Kennedy? And it's usually a leftist extremist or someone who is about free Palestine, Sirhan Sirhan. It is always somebody who is trying to, with an exception of like Ford, it is always somebody trying to make a point, a communist point or a revolutionary point. In the Facebook feed today was a couple of thoughts. There were three. Amen. I'm not for Trump, but amen. I'm not for Hillary, but amen. The other was good, he deserves it. How do you even write that? Two, two Facebook posts on Facebook, Glenn Beck, need to be reported to the Secret Service. Two Facebook posts. What are you thinking? Who, who is this? Who are these people that are coming to my Facebook page? They're not my listeners. Who is that? The other, so stupid, God is saddened by the gray matter he 
he mistakenly lent out to some of these people, and he can make as much gray matter as he wants. He never runs out of the stuff he makes stuff out of. And he regrets he wasted that gray matter, I'm sure. Those people who say, I called for, oh, really? After you incited this by saying you would stab him to death? Why don't you put one brain cell to work and stop getting your news from one source that is being bought and paid for by the Trump campaign and start doing your checking on the actual facts. We have nothing if we do not have the truth. And if you claim to have ever listened to me and you haven't said that, you haven't heard me say that about Barack Obama. I feel the same way about Barack Obama and his ideas for the country in a completely different way, but the same passionate feelings as I do about Donald Trump. And I stood for the president's security and life. We're Americans for the love of Pete. And for those people who think that this is, this is a reasonable option, I guess those are the people that believe, you know, the tree of liberty needs to be. Well, yeah, what he meant by that is revolution. That every generation, there would be a revolution And if you want a revolution, I can't help you. Revolutions are not good. And even to John Lennon, were they good? I was waiting for that to be. I thought, (laughs) I'm sure it was going to be spoken by Pat, the lyrics, but. No, they're not. John Lennon wouldn't go with it. No. And, go with it. You know, the whole song is about the people who came to him and said, look, hey, we need, we are doing a revolution. It's all about evolution. We need a contribution. And he told him, if you know you want money from, from minds that hate, you're going to have to wait. I'm not going to do that. If you want to change the Constitution, we want to change your head. You say it's the institution. You better free your mind instead. Uh, even the Beatles weren't there. John Lennon. That's not including Ringo. Yeah. That's John Lennon. <laughs> hey, we're all doing he well. married Yoko for the love of Pete. Right. Right. Here's the one thing that I think, and I want to talk about this in depth, and I don't know if we're going to have the time to do it, but I really want to talk about this in depth. How many people do you know that said we're not going to survive Barack Obama? I think we even kicked that around. I don't know. We never said we wouldn't. I don't know if we make it another four years with this guy. Well, we made it, didn't we? Not in the shape that we want to be in, and not, but, but we are here. We are here. We've got a couple of months just... just I know, <laughs> I know. And it's dicey, and it's getting worse. But we made it. Now, not in the same condition. We are much worse for the wear. But here's the thing we all have to understand. We survive. In what condition... I don't know. 
But we survive. We survive Trump and we survive Hillary. Does the Constitution survive as we know it? Do we have rights anymore? I don't know. But we're all alive. Well, most of us. Some of us might be in jail. But we're all alive. What do you have on the other side of that? What do you have on the other side? That's a conversation that we have to have as people. There's a TV show that I want you to watch. And my daughter said to me, Dad, you're going to love this show, Mr. Robot. Tim and I have been watching it. I like that show. You like that show? I have, yeah, I watched yeah. it a while ago. Okay. Who knew that USA made high-quality television? No, it's up on uh, Netflix now, so you can catch the first season. Yeah. The second season hasn't been released yet. Okay, so... But they do. They have a couple of good shows that I like a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Mr. Robot, great show. Great show. But I couldn't figure out why my daughter said you'd love it, other than the style and the way it's shot and how different it is and everything else, all those technical things that only I get into and she recognizes. It's noticeable like. on that show, though. Yeah. Yes, it is. And, um, and she said, you're going to love this show. And she started to explain it to me. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So I started watching it. And... I mean, the first thing that he says within the first seven minutes of the first episode is, um, uh, I, feel, I, I feel powerless, and I have to stop the invisible hand. Well, what is the invisible hand? It's the free market. Mm-hmm. I have to stop the invisible hand, but I can't because I'm anonymous. Holy cow. I mean, hello, who are these people? Yeah. Okay. And they hack in and they want to bring the whole system down. I want to talk to you either today or tomorrow about what I'm learning about millennials from that show because it's very different. It's written differently. Remember you were saying yesterday that the writing is changing because millennials are involved now and it's written differently. It, It has a completely different attitude and I don't think it's an attitude of a... 40-year-old writer, Uh, at least he might be a 40-year-old writer, but he's surrounded by millennials. He's he's tapped in to the millennials. Um, And you can learn something about the millennials. You can see the nihilistic uh, viewpoint of the future. But most importantly, and I'm only seven episodes into the first season, but most importantly... You are starting to, I am, starting to see where the break-apart is. And the system is only a fraction of it. The, the, what was the line from John Lennon? You think it's the institution? Better free your mind instead. Better free your mind instead. It's not the institutions. It's the freeing of our mind and the way people are looking at us, and I mean us as parents, the way our children are starting to view us. And this is extraordinarily important if we are going to bridge the gap and, have, and help our children solve the problem because we're not going to solve this problem. Our children are. But we have to recognize, I think, the way they see most of us and the way they see society and if we don't understand the way they're viewing society, because perception is reality, 
if they don't, if we don't understand how they perceive the world and how it works and perceive us, we're never going to be able to bridge the gap. And we'll talk about that. Also, we have, don't we have a serial starting today? What is it on? Uh, Founders and slavery. Taking the lies of the founders and how they're all greedy slave owners. I met with a scholar last weekend. And he was saying, you know, I've been talking about doing all this study with the mind and, you know, everything else. He's this, he's this um, uh, behavioral scientist. And he's like, but you can't predict. Like, for instance, Jefferson and Washington with the slaves, I, I about leapt over the table. <laughs> and he went, what? That's all true. And I'm like, no, it's not, dude. He, his mind was blown. He's like, I've done all kinds of history reading and everything else. He said, I've never seen that anywhere. And I'm like, I'll get you the information. The truth on our founders and slavery coming up in just a second. First, Freedom Works. Teddy Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Lyndon Johnson. I'm sorry, FDR. TR, Woodrow Wilson, FDR, and Lyndon Johnson. About every 20 years, America is swept through another wave of, of transformational figures. And it's always leading in the direction of a, um, uh, of a uh, progressive utopia. If we elect Hillary, we open the floodgates to the longest progressive era the country has ever seen. And it is exhausting trying to hold back the tide. But one group that never uh, fears the fight or never tires is FreedomWorks and the FreedomWorks Foundation. They are the best in the business at giving concerned citizens the training they need to stop the torrent. And that's really where they're focusing now. How can we train people? They will train you how to knock on doors, organize phone banks, contact your congressman, and much more. This is what the left does all the time in their sleep, and we don't even know how to do it. We have to help FreedomWorks stop the progressive surge. Today, make a donation for $20.16. 2016, go to freedomworksforme.com. That's freedomworksforme.com. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. For those people who are really rooting for Trump, uh, some really bad news came out yesterday with uh, what they have in the bank. Hillary Clinton has forty-two million, forty-two million dollars in the bank, and Donald Trump has one point three. He is not raising the money. How do you get from one point three to a billion dollars to become the president of the United States? It's all fun. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. George Soros has warned 
that Thursday in England, a vote for Brexit, Britain exiting the EU, would, quote, trigger a crash worse than Black Wednesday. That was the worst currency crisis in European history in 1992. He says that will look like child's play. He said uh, a Brexit vote, uh, the pound would fall by at least 15% and possibly more than 20%. He said it will be a breakdown of the exchange rate mechanism. Most Americans don't even know what it is, but it happens uh, on Thursday and it could change your life. Also, we want to talk a little bit about uh, a doctor that pleads not guilty to touching a young girl on an American Airlines flight. It's an outrageous, outrageous story. And our history lesson this week, our serials are on the founders and slavery. If I hear one more person tell me how racist and how much uh, that Thomas Jefferson loved his slaves and George Washington was a hypocrite because he kept them until his death, If I hear one more ignorant person say that, I think I'm going to lose my mind. So this week, we thought we would give you the definitive serial on the founders and slavery. And we begin right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. America's founding fathers, admired and revered by generations of grateful Americans. But over the past 100 years, they have been increasingly disparaged by many as rich, white, uncaring, racist, and slave owners. Yes, some of them did, in fact, own slaves, as historian David Barton points out. Of the 56 founding fathers who signed the Declaration of Independence, we know that 15 of them owned slaves and did not release their slaves, did not want to release their slaves, and were what we would call, in effect, racist. That's 15 out of 56. That's not quite the majority. That's not quite all of them. That's not even close to being a majority of them. So how come we don't hear about the other founding fathers? Because that doesn't help the narrative of trying to separate America from our constitutional heritage and history. If we can attack and demean those who gave us the message, then we can reject that message. Thomas Jefferson, in particular, has been singled out as a hypocrite who spoke against slavery but didn't even free his own slaves upon his death. As if it weren't enough, the narrative goes on that he also took one of his slaves as his mistress and produced an heir, or even multiple heirs, with her. Those who believe these things about Thomas Jefferson are quite confident in their belief. They'll even tell you that there was DNA evidence to prove their claims. So let's begin with the obvious. America's founding fathers grew up in colonial America under English tradition and English rule. The colonies were an extension of Great Britain. It was the British, not our founders, who brought slaves to this continent. And they did so for about 140 years. Thomas Jefferson grew up in the 1700s in Virginia, where landowners owned slaves. 
Jefferson began inheriting slaves at 14 years old. It was part of the colonial life in Virginia. Even so, as he matured and considered the issue, Thomas Jefferson became decidedly anti-slavery. But was he a racist? Was he a hypocrite? Many prominent Americans who should and do know better continue to propagate this insidious lie. One of the most egregious examples was Hillary Clinton, when she compared Thomas Jefferson to a woman who had advocated killing the entire black race and whose work has contributed greatly to 14 million black babies never being born and 55 million babies overall. Well, Congressman, let me say with respect to uh, your comments about Margaret Sanger, you know, I admire Thomas Jefferson. I admire his words and his leadership, and I deplore his unrepentant slaveholding. Was he unrepentant? Or were there other factors involved that never seemed to warrant any mention from his critics? David Barton. Okay, he did own slaves, but the racist and bigot stuff, if that's the case, then why is it for two centuries it was black civil rights leaders, black civil rights leaders such as Benjamin Banneker in the founding era who personally knew Thomas Jefferson? Why was it black civil rights leaders such as Henry Highland Garnett? And why was it black civil rights leaders such as Frederick Douglass? And why was it that Martin Luther King Jr. himself praised Thomas Jefferson for all of his relentless efforts to end slavery. Let's just establish right up front that one of the reasons Jefferson did not free his slaves was his state law would not allow him to do so. State law in Virginia was very clear. Jefferson writes about it saying that the laws will not permit me to turn them loose. There were several laws that came into play. Jefferson started inheriting slaves when he was 14 years old. As a very young man, he inherited slaves. And the laws of Virginia stated that if you're in debt, you cannot free your slaves. Your slaves are held to be able to pay off your debt. Jefferson was, in today's dollars, $2.5 million in debt. So by state law, he can't free his slaves. Even Pulitzer Prize-winning historians who have written about Jefferson point out that fact that he could not free his slaves under that law. There was a law passed in 1782 that said you could emancipate your slaves on your death, but only if you're not in debt. He was in debt. He never got to free his slaves. That aside, still, why would black leaders praise him for his civil rights efforts? Because when he was elected to the legislature of Virginia and he took office in 1769, one of the first measures he introduced was to end slavery in the entire state of Virginia. He joined with senior legislator Richard Bland. They introduced a bill to end slavery, not just for his slaves, but for the entire state of Virginia. And they were so beat up and abused for introducing that law that the message became very clear. You will not speak out against slavery. But Jefferson continued to do so anyway. In fact, this most complex, conflicted, and hypocritical slave owner. He actually went into court on two occasions and fought for those who were identified as slaves. He fought for them to receive freedom. He pointed out that all men were indeed created equal, that they had equal rights under their creator. So he went to court to be able to do that. Then when he was elected to the Continental Congress, he introduced a measure to end slavery in all of the United States. Now, that measure failed by one vote. In his diary and memoir, he says, Oh, to God that he would have changed one heart 
what one heart, one vote of one man would have done. And, and he just laments that slavery did not get ended. As he continues after that, he seeks measure after measure after measure, both at the state and national level, to end slavery. He even got involved in international efforts to end slavery. As he was ambassador overseas in France, he was against slavery. Up to two weeks before his death, he was still saying there has got to be an end to slavery. As a matter of fact, the first book that he ever wrote was in 1781. It's called Notes on the State of Virginia. It was in response to 22 questions that had been posed to him by a French diplomat. At the time, Jefferson was serving overseas in France, and the diplomat asked him 22 questions. Jefferson wrote out answers to each one. That became the book. It's called Notes on the State of Virginia. In query number 18, he deals with the issue of slavery. Now, he's a slave owner. Virginia's a slave-owning state. He writes that the despotism that exists between a master and a slave owner is the worst kind and that it's bad because it teaches children the wrong example. They see a master. They see a slave. Everyone should be equal. He writes about how that is bad to create classes of distinctions and how bad that is for the manners and morals of the country. And then he predicts that America will have a civil war over this issue because God is not going to tolerate it. If you've been inside the Jefferson Memorial, you know that four of the five tableaus in there, all of his best quotes are very God-centered. And the one that most people probably recognize is the one that says, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure if we've removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they're not to be violated but with his wrath. I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and his justice won't sleep forever. He wrote that in regards not to national liberties, but in regard to slavery. He said, regarding slavery, can the liberties of a nation be thought secure if you lose the conviction that liberty comes from God? So he's arguing for slavery. He says, God's going to judge us. His wrath, you can't avoid his wrath on this. He's opposed to slavery. Some of the greatest pro-God quotes we have from Jefferson are actually in regard to his desire to end slavery. Then there's the persistent rumor that in the late 90s supposedly turned to fact. The story goes that Jefferson kept his slave, Sally Hemming, as a concubine and fathered at least five children with her. In 1998, an article by Joseph Ellis came out in the magazine Nature and Science that said DNA evidence had finally proven those charges. But in order to get DNA proof, you need a DNA sample from Thomas Jefferson, right? How did DNA prove that when they never used Thomas Jefferson's DNA in the testing? They forgot to mention that. As a matter of fact, that's why six weeks later, that story was retracted. And the man who did the DNA testing, Eugene Foster, did a second set of testing. And he said it was very clear the evidence did not prove that Jefferson had done that. He actually told Joseph Ellis that, but Joseph Ellis went ahead and wrote that Jefferson did it. Now, why would he have done that? Because at that time, Joseph Ellis was watching the impeachment of President Bill Clinton for sexual tirades that had gone on in the White House. Joseph Ellis signs on to a full-page ad of the New York Times opposing the impeachment of Bill Clinton. And so as soon as this announcement is made that Jefferson did it, DNA proves it, suddenly the line in the media was, well, Jefferson was a great president. If he had these sexual trysts, then what's the deal with Clinton? He shouldn't be held up to a standard any different from Jefferson. Now, 221 stories carried the headlines, Jefferson did it. 
And as a result of that headline, there were calls at that time to remove Jefferson's face off Mount Rushmore. There were calls to tie down the Jefferson Memorial. There were calls to take his face off the nickel. Six weeks later, when they retracted the story, only 11 news outlets carried the retraction. So to this day, people still think that Jefferson did it. Now, actually, what was in the DNA testing that no one talked about was the reason the DNA testing was done in the first place. And the reason you had the DNA testing was back in September of 1801, a man named James T. Callender wrote an article in the Richmond Recorder that says, well, everybody around here knows that Thomas Jefferson fathered children through Sally Hemings, and Sally Hemings named her first child Tom, which proves that it was named after Thomas Jefferson, and everyone says he has a striking resemblance to Thomas Jefferson. Sally Hemings had five children. Thomas was the first. And they used the descendants of Thomas Woodson, and they found absolutely zero Jefferson DNA in the Thomas family. The DNA testing definitely proved that the 200-year-old rumor was absolutely false. Furthermore, you find that the 200-year-old rumor came because James D. Callender asked for a position as Richmond Postmaster. President Jefferson said no to him, and Callender said, then I will make you pay and he came out with that vicious rumor. And it's significant that even Jefferson's enemies never believed the rumor. Nobody believed the rumor until the 20th century when people said, oh, look, the paper said Jefferson did it, and they undertook the DNA testing. What the DNA testing did prove was that the fifth child, Eston Hemings, did have DNA genes from Jefferson, but they never tested Jefferson's DNA. They only tested Jefferson's uncle. There were 26 Jeffersons living at and around Monticello at the time. Ten of them were rumored to have been the father, and the one specifically they thought was the father of Eston Hemings even 200 years ago was Thomas Jefferson's younger brother, Randolph. All the DNA testing proved was that in the fifth child, there was some Jefferson DNA, but it wasn't from Thomas Jefferson because they couldn't test his DNA. They only tested the uncles. So that's the most that can be said. But that's not news because 200 years ago, it was already written that Randolph Jefferson, the younger brother, was the father of that child. So here we are today, and we get told exactly the opposite. Now, this is where it's interesting that after the DNA testing came out, there was a group of a dozen professors from very prestigious schools, from Harvard, University of Kentucky, University of North Carolina, Indiana University, etc., that were convened to look into all the evidence, the historical evidence, the DNA evidence, all the tracking they had. And several of those guys entered it saying, yeah, we believe Jefferson did it. At the end of the report, it was unanimous. They all said, we now believe Jefferson did not do it. Our founding fathers believed this nation would last only as long as our morality. So those who are seeking the fundamental transformation of America have been trying for a hundred years to cast doubt on the morality of the men who ingrained those principles into our society. And by doing so, they are then free to realize their agenda, destroying America's moral backbone, and thus, America herself. Next time, the attempt to impugn America's indispensable man the only man ever elected to the presidency unanimously twice. Even George Washington dragged through the mud. Glenn Beck.
Want to talk to you about American Financing. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. When I talk to you about coming on this program and, and being an advertiser, if you're somebody who wants to advertise on this program, um, uh, I, I do my own homework. Because that's what I tell you to do. Do your own homework. So when somebody comes on to this show, I do my own homework. I've done it. I met with this uh, team right after 2008 and the crash because they tried to come on to the show uh, and be a sponsor before the crash. And I said, I don't believe in the mortgage system. I don't believe in any of it. I'm not going to tell anybody to go get a mortgage with anybody. And they said, no, 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 we're different. We're not doing the game. We agree with you, Glenn. And we're not playing the game. We have salaried employees. They are not employees that are are, um, uh, you know, just trying to sell what the bank wants to sell. And I said, okay, well, we'll see you after the crash. After the crash, they were fine. All the people that they had put into houses, they were all fine. Why? Because they didn't play the game that everybody else was playing. And that's when they became a sponsor. Now, I want you to get the best mortgage for you. I want you to do your homework. But I, I want you to check into American Financing because I believe they will save you hundreds of dollars every single month. If saving 500 to to $1,000 a month Sounds like a good deal. Maybe it's time to refinance the people to do that because they can, they can qualify you within, uh, what is it, 45 minutes or 10 minutes. Jeez, you can qualify for a loan within 10 minutes, and then you can close in as fast as 10 days. Who does this? No one but American Financing. Call 866-750-6551. 866-750-6551. Americans, America's Home for Home Loans. AmericanFinancing.net. 866-750-6551. The Glenn Beck Program. Stream the show live on iHeartRadio. Or listen later on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. And now, Google Play Music. Mercury. Nobody knows that stuff about Thomas Jefferson that we just had. We're doing a series. The series, the serial this week is uh, The Founders and Slavery. And tomorrow's on uh, George Washington. And and you you need to know the history. Yeah, because everybody thinks they're haters and they're hypocrites. And, you know, they did not hate. They did want the end, end of slavery to come about. They fought for it. Not all of them. 15 out of 56 wanted slavery to continue. Uh, we're, I shouldn't say that. We're slave owners. Yes. And out of those 15, some of them wanted it, it to, to continue. continue. Others, like Jefferson, tried to change the law and right. couldn't. Right. And he could not free his slaves under Virginia law. Because he was in debt. And the other thing is the Sally Hemming thing uh, from 1997, where they said, well, DNA evidence proves. No, it didn't. Didn't. It didn't. <laughs> he retracted it, it two weeks before, two weeks after. Yeah. Two weeks after. It's... It's, it's really remarkable. Do you guys see the study on, there was, a, there was an article that came out this weekend. It said, this is how Trump can win. And, and so I'm, I'm reading, I'm like, okay, tell me about it. Was it a short article that said Hillary Clinton drops out? Uh, no, it was the Fox factor. And it said Fox is so powerful that um, uh, just by watching Fox, just by watching it, 
you're like 2% more likely to vote conservative, okay? Just because of the hypnotism. And they made a big deal out of that. And I thought, gee, 2% for Fox. What is the hypnotism like from ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, movies, prime time? Good heavens. If that one outlet can make that difference, what does the combination? And they've strangely never studied that. Strangely never studied that. Isn't that interesting? The Glenn Beck Program. back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Have you ever sent your kids on American Airlines? Ever sent your kids on American Airlines as an unaccompanied minor? That's a terrifying thing. I don't think I could do that on any airline. My kids used to fly unaccompanied minor all the time. And you pay an extra $300 and the airlines... They just take care of you. Yeah. They're just going to watch your kid. We got your kid. Okay? 13-year-old girl flying from Dallas, Texas to Oregon on a, an American Airlines unaccompanied minor flight. Gets on the, gets on the plane. Um, it's half full. And a guy decides you can sit wherever you want because it's half full. Guy decides he's sitting in his seat. Nobody else is getting on. He decides to get up. And go sit in a middle seat next to a 13-year-old girl, this unaccompanied minor. Okay? Hmm. Guy on one side, girl on the other. He's in the middle. The um, seatbelt sign goes off. 20 minutes after takeoff, the the, uh, stewardess is walking down. And she looks at this row and she says, sir, there's lots of other seats here. I mean, aren't you a little cramped? And he's like, no, 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 I'm fine. And she looks at the little girl and the little girl looks at her and she's got tears in her eyes. And that's when she looks down and the man has his hand in her crotch. And he's been fondling her and she hasn't, she didn't know what to do. She froze. Stewardess says, sir, you want to move? He's arrested at the other end of the flight. This is not the only time this has happened with American Airlines. The last time it happened, the guy said he fell asleep and he was inadvertently fondling her and he got away with it. Now, when I pay $300 to American Airlines to take care of my kids, is this what they call taking care of my kids? Watching over my kids? As I was thinking about this today, 
something we should have brought up during Common Core, because it, it is the reason why Common Core exists. But a friend of mine flew down to Dallas on American, flew down on, uh, on American Airlines, and he's coming, and here comes this crew out of New York. And um, as, he's, as he's flying, the um, stewardess says uh, to the woman, or steward says to the woman uh, sitting next to my friend, uh, she says, I, I've got to go, i got to go to the bathroom. And the cart was in the way. And the steward says, you know what, ma'am, we're serving right now. And federal law requires you to follow my instructions. So not now. And he walked away. And this stranger looked at my friend and said, were you a little bothered by the way he responded? He's like, yeah, what was the federal law thing? All of a sudden, you, are, you belong to me, prisoner number 1174. We're being conditioned, whether we know it or not, whether they know it or not. We're all being conditioned to shut up and sit down. Do you know that in 2005... The Ninth Circuit Court said when it comes to your children being taught in public school, um, you give up all parental rights beyond the threshold of the school. That's a ruling that has not been challenged. In fact, it goes on and says... Anything the school wants to teach, the the parents have no constitutional rights to stop the child from learning it should the school deem it appropriate to teach. Let me just give that last line here. You give up all parental rights beyond the threshold of the school, end quote. I don't think I've signed up for that. Have you? I don't think I've signed up for, I have no constitutional right to what my children are learning in school. I don't remember signing anything that says I give up my constitutional rights as a parent to say what is taught and what is not taught to my child. Our children are absolutely under attack in every way, shape, and form. You know, as I was, I'm writing a new book called Liars. It comes out in about a month or so. We just finished. And it's all about the progressives. And as I'm looking at the early progressives, they all had something happen in their life. They all had something happen in their life where their parents... Or somebody, I can't say failed them, because sometimes, you know, things happen and you didn't fail them. Like the parent of that 13-year-old kid on the American Airlines. Did the parents fail them? What are you going to do? Not, not, not send them uh, to, you know, see their grandparents? Unless you can go with, I guess. Does American Airlines, do I have a parental right once I give them the $300? And American Airlines, do they accept the responsibility what happens to my child? 
If not, don't, don't force me to pay the $300 so you can watch my child if you're not going to be really watching my child. And I'm talking about molestation. I'm not talking about wipe my child's nose. But molestation. The girl who lost her case, again, a little girl, didn't know what to do. She said, in court, she said she didn't get away from him because the seatbelt sign was on. And she thought she had to stay in her seat because the seatbelt sign was on. Well, wait a minute. I'm sorry. What did the steward just say to my friend? Federal law requires you to do what I say. The court didn't accept her sticking around if the seatbelt sign was on. Even though all the way through the flight, she was texting her mother, help me, help me, help me. Mom can't help you, honey. What's going on? Help me. Each one of these really nasty Woodrow Wilson, Hegel, Nietzsche, all these really nasty people, Margaret Sanger. You know why Margaret Sanger was the way she was? She had 14 children in her family. She wasn't the oldest. Dad was gone. Mom was in the house. Vagrants came by. They lived on the edge of the city. Vagrants came by, begged for food. Mom said, we don't have any food, but if you want, come back later when my husband is here and maybe we can find something. Soon as she said, my husband isn't here, they broke in, beat her almost to death. Margaret was upstairs having to take care of the children. Mom was saying, stay upstairs, stay upstairs. Margaret stayed upstairs the whole time. Mom died from the beating eventually. She developed other complications and died. Margaret Sanger didn't want anyone to go through that. In her mind, the trouble she went through, somebody let her down. Where was dad? Where were my older siblings? And the people who came by were obviously defectives. Yes, they were vagrants. Who needed to be gone from society. Exactly so right. Exactly else. right. We, and because it happens, we as parents at some point let our children down. We, oh, we all do. We all do. Because we're not perfect people. Mm-hmm. But on tomorrow's show, I want to talk to you about all that we can do. There are some things that you can do, and those are important. The mom in the plane, she couldn't do anything about it. Couldn't do anything about it. Imagine how that tears her up. She put her child on that plane, paid $300 to American Airlines, and that's what happens to your daughter? And she's not alone. This apparently is a pattern. And, oh, by the way, If that guy decided to go into a bathroom at the airport, a women's bathroom, and follow your 13-year-old daughter in, you can't say anything because you can't question him. You know what the problem was with this guy? 
Nobody thought this guy was a problem because all the other people said, but he looked so normal. This goes again to the transgendered bathrooms. I'm not worried about the people that look like freaks. You spot those guys coming a mile away. You don't spot the ones that are normal. You don't spot your grandfather. You don't spot your uncle. You don't spot sometimes your dad. And you certainly don't spot the neighbor that looks normal. Those are the ones you should be worried about. Not the transgendered people. Not every freak looks like Jeffy. We just need to understand that. I think that put a fine point on this, Pat, and I'm going to leave it at that because I don't think you could say anything more. That's really the lesson you were trying to teach. Well, yes, stay away from Jeffy. Sums, sums I didn't want to come out and say it, but sums it all up. you're exactly right. Now this. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> does a day go by when you haven't heard of a company or a person being hacked? I would say probably not. No, yeah. every single day there's a new story about yeah. that. You watching Mr. Robot? You well, you watched it yeah. before I did. Yeah, yeah, it was on live. I think it ended. There's a new season coming this summer, isn't there? I mean, yeah, we're like pretty a couple close. weeks, isn't it, or yeah. something like that? Um, but um, um, Mr. Robot is about hackers, and uh, you know, really twenty-something hackers, and it's amazing what can be done and what can be found, and all you have to do is is hack. Your whole life is open. This is a time when we, when we have people who are doing this for sport. Uh, they are doing it for a million reasons. Russia is doing it um, because they're trying to collapse us. And we're not really paying attention to it. LifeLock. LifeLock scans hundreds of millions of transactions every single second. And if they detect that your information is being used and it's not in your pattern, they will send you an alert. Then you either confirm or deny that that is you and then you go to work with LifeLock. LifeLock has um, agents on staff. They're U.S.-based. This is all they do is solve this and clean this up and make sure that that is not on your record. That's, that's worth the price of gold, getting somebody to do that, if you've ever had anything on your, uh, your record. And believe me, it's only a matter of time before you are hacked in some way or another. Right now, you'll get a special 15% discount off of your first year. It's lifelock.com. Use the promo code BEC15. That's BEC15. Offer code uh, ends July 3rd for this 15% discount. BEC15 is that offer code. 800-440-4936. 1-800-440-4936. Promo code BEC15. 800-440-4936. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This, this is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. You know, if I'm the father of this girl that got molested on American Airlines, I believe I would be having an airplane in my family. Uh, oh, I think I, I might have a piece of an airplane company in my family. Uh, yeah. If I Jeffy. paid the $300 for the uh, unaccompanied minor protection and I send my daughter and... 
you know, look, my daughter, it's a full plane. And my daughter sits next yes. to somebody who's assigned to the seat and something happens. I hope that the American airline people, you know, catch it soon, whatever. I hope my daughter says rape, you know, whatever it is. But uh, I, I don't necessarily hold American Airlines completely accountable. This story. This story was a half-empty plane from Dallas to Portland. The 13-year-old girl in the protection of... Correct. You know, and I believe they have a, U, uh, a uh, UM sticker on them, unaccompanied minor. Possible, I don't remember. Uh, I remember my kids. Oh, I think yeah. they had some designation that said... Though they had a lanyard that said unaccompanied okay. minor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So target, target, target. Here's this girl sitting by herself with another guy at the end seat. She's at the window seat. Half-empty plane, a guy gets up and moves into a middle seat. What guy does that? Nobody wants to no sit one. in a middle seat. You're in a plane for four hours. You're going from Dallas, longer than that. Dallas to, uh, to Portland. Portland, that's at least four hours. According to the story that I read, they, asked, they came to him and said, Sir, we can get you, you know, you don't need to sit there. And he said, no, I'm fine. Well, no, that's not your seat. First of all, so federal law requires you to sit in your ticketed seat if we're going to go down that road. I don't or even, I don't even go there. Make a big scene about it. You move her. Yeah, right. you move her. You you use some right, common honey, come sense, here and then we can spread yeah. out over here. That's yeah. all you have to do. It's right. not that because it doesn't make any sense for anybody to move no. into a third middle seat. It doesn't make sense. We all know you don't. Nobody wants to sit there. <laughs> and if you've got an unaccompanied minor that you are supposed to be protecting, yes. somebody does something that is against human nature, Come you move her. You don't say anything about him. You move her. Yep. I, I would be suing American Airlines, oh, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I would have a hard time staying away from him. Quite honestly, oh, yeah. as a fall, oh, I'd be yeah. having a very difficult time. Thank God I believe in the law. I don't know how much I would believe in that situation, but you have to pray for that family. Back in just a second. We are Glenn Beck. Mercury. America and welcome to the program. Today we, we could talk about the election between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, but there is another option, uh, and it's the libertarian option. And we want to talk to you about the libertarian option and the future of the Libertarian Party, along with the future of the Republican and Democratic Party. We begin that right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. There is a, uh, there's the campaign, Gary Johnson 2016, and there's a super PAC, uh, alternative PAC, 
And uh, Matt Kibbe and Chris Roofer are with us. And Chris started a uh, tomato packing plant back in the 1970s and put in libertarian principles. And, um, I mean, you didn't start out as a, a wealthy guy, did you? No, I started out driving a truck. Uh-huh. My father was a truck driver. And uh-huh. Mother was a secretary until we got, they got married. Right. You started, a, you started a tomato packing plant, added the libertarian principles, which are... What? In the business world, what did you do that was so different? Yeah, we have a concept of organizing our company called self-management. It's a mission-focused self-management. So it's taking your, what we call a personal commercial mission, and everybody drives to their mission. So their boss is, uh, is their mission, not another person. So it's uh, trying to drive order, structure an organization through spontaneous order with people driving to their missions, as we do in our private lives. Quite amazing. And you have gotten to a point to where you can be a big donor um, <laughs> for things that you believe in. And you are a, a big supporter of the libertarian uh, movement. Matt Kibbe was with FreedomWorks, left to do his own thing. Um, and he just said right before we went on the air, this is probably the last thing I thought we would be doing at this time, or that you would be doing, is uh, going out and beating the drums for Gary Johnson. I was trying to get out of politics, and that was my goal, but it's, it's like the godfather. It keeps pulling you back <laughs> Yeah, right. In. Um, kind of the Death Star. We were talking about we were talking about your your trip in earlier, um, and Gary Johnson. Well, first of all, the Libertarian. Let me just let me throw some negative cards out, and then you guys play to those, okay? And let's start ta- having a conversation here about Libertarianism and where it's going. The convention didn't fill people with confidence. You know, you have all these people. And, and you got a guy who's taken his clothes off. <laughs> Can we get a libertarian group together that says, hey, we could actually win. All we have to be is relatively normal. Let's not take our clothes off during the convention. Um, the, the other is, I understand libertarianism, and I say this all the time, I can live to, I can live right next door and be a great neighbor to Penn Jillette. I'm very religious. He's an atheist. I could live next door to Ben and Jerry for a couple of reasons. I mean, hopefully I get some discount on some ice cream. <laughs> but if they don't, and I don't think this is the case with Ben and Jerry. I think Ben and Jerry are big progressives. Oh, yeah. But if Ben and Jerry just believed in all their hippie stuff and, you know, believed in, you know, hey, let's free the world and cure the world and whatever, I'm cool with that. And we can all have a picnic together as long as we're not trying to control each other's lives. And that's what libertarians should be saying. Most people don't understand that concept because of the two-party system. And so when you have a whole group of people saying, I hate Hillary Clinton, and I hate Donald Trump. The message has to be, and this is where I'm shocked at Gary Johnson. He is reaching out almost seemingly blatantly, intentionally, and in spite of uh, the conservatives that are looking for an answer and trying to reach right to the Bernie Sanders people. And that is uber concerning and uber strange for people who don't understand libertarianism yeah can you can you help on that one and help explain that one well i can't explain how gary is pursuing his campaign he's uh he's basically libertarian but uh, a lot of people as you mentioned about uh uh stripping here doing unusual things take libertarianism as being libertine and that is not libertarianism define the difference 
libertarians just do everything you want. Uh, no, libertarianism is, 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 has very strong values, but their values are very fundamental, simply not initiating force against other folks and not stealing their property. So I think you said it correctly. You have people who, who are liberals, and I perceive liberals as that they're a set of personal values. Yes. And conservatives are folks that have strong personal values, and they're all good. The unique aspect of libertarianism is the agreement that we're not going to use physical force against each other right. to advance our ideas, our, our particular morals about uh, smoking uh, uh, taking whatever drugs or helping, helping poor people. So we're going to use persuasion instead of coercion. Right. And that is unique. Having a conservative, quote, conservative fiscal policy is, uh, is not unique. Having a, a liberal social policy, well, we don't, we want to have a, a, a marijuana is okay, and so get rid of the marijuana laws. That's not unique to libertarians. Uh, liberals have that. What is unique is the issue of persuasion versus coercion. Yes. That is what has to be taught. And quite honestly, in some ways, I mean, I thought, honestly, if Donald Trump could run, and get the nomination of the Republicans, why the hell am I not running? Because any damn clown can run, okay? (laughs) But I thought the only one that I would run for, and I'm not considering running, the only one I would run for is libertarianism. But the libertarians would never accept me because they'd say, you're not libertarian enough. How the hell do you solve when you've got the people who say, Free thought is what we're all about. Individualism is all what we're all about. And here's a guy who says, I don't want to master anybody's life. I don't want to be over anybody's life. But we don't like the way you think. I went to the first libertarian convention of my lifetime. And and by the way, but for the the fat guy stripping, there's a lot of serious people that are trying to save their country. Just like you would meet at a Tea Party rally. Yep. But there was a, there's a confusion. Are we a political party, which is really designed to be an umbrella based on some principles? Are we a debating club that's going to debate whether or not yes. it's, it's morally right to walk on a government-paved sidewalk? We had a... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> These arguments happen. I know. I, oh, I know. We had a guy call who said, I have for the first time uh, decided I am not going to vote for these two parties. I can't do it anymore. He said, but I got engaged with a libertarian. And I was ready to go for a libertarian. And he said, this guy was talking to me about, you know, the rights of, you know, should you walk on a, you know, a government pavement? He's like, dude, are you kidding me? Right. How how about, and and he said, the reason that turned him off was the guy said, we're not here to win elections. We're here to start conversations. And he's like, well, dude, I need somebody who wants to win an election. Yeah. And so there is a difference between, excuse the language, but mental masturbation uh, <laughs> and, and w- doing something. And I, I just don't know where that, I don't know who's serious and who's not. Let me express it this way. The game of baseball. Look, you got the game of baseball. You have people who cheat in the game of baseball. They are individuals. So is it the game of baseball, bad, Or is it the individual? Same as capitalism. You have capitalism, which is simply the free trade of goods and services, the voluntary trade of goods and services. But you have some bad actors. 
Does it make capitalism or does it make baseball bad? So we have some, quote, bad actors, call them what you want, but people that really are off the, off the, off the line here. There, Say the motorcyclist that just wants, doesn't want to wear a helmet. So he, he associates with libertarians because that one policy is, okay, we don't force people to do something. And so, yeah, wear a helmet, don't wear a helmet. But he associates with libertarianism for that one policy reason. He's not really a libertarian, libertarian. in the sense of understanding and, and how following. How it works in everything. How it really works, and it's really persuasion versus coercion. And Johnson gets this from libertarians too, right? I mean, he's been called out by a lot of libertarians for not being libertarian enough. Yeah. So is he, I mean, because there's rhinos in everything. Everything. There's no pure anything. Is he's, a, he's a lino, according to yeah, some of these Yeah, that's funny. You know, um, <laughs> Penn said to me, because Penn is, he's an anarchist. I mean, he is over the libertarian line into anarchy, as he describes himself. And, um, and we get along great. And where we have, where we have um, ended up is, Glenn, you and I, if we would work, now he's not a politics guy, but he said, just in our conversations, we could work together for 30 years before you and I start having arguments because we don't start at let's have everybody have, uh, you know, a, a vending machine in their private school that has heroin and hookers. <laughs> let's start with the big things that we all agree on and yeah. start moving it the other direction. He's like, by the time we get to things that we disagree on, he said... We're dead. We're both dead by then. So, and that's where I think that yeah. if we can understand a, almost a reverse progressivism and start to move the libertarians and go, okay, yes, there's your goal. But you've got, so, you've got 100 years of wiring to undo in the American mind. That's going to take a Herculean effort and strategy. But recognizing everybody is a libertarian and that you have to be to have a civil relationship. Using force against your family, friends, or coworkers doesn't work. You don't have associations. And stealing from other people, other people don't want to associate with you if you're a thief. So everybody in their personal life is a libertarian. So that the complication gets to be where we're using democracy in a wrong way as, as, and our politicians as agents to go and use majority vote to steal or advance our morals through force. I just, I just, we had a dinner, family dinner, and I don't remember what brought this up. We were talking about something in the news on Sunday night. And I said, kids, you cannot give the police or an agent of the government or anyone else a right that you don't have. They don't have any rights that you don't have. For instance, you know, you... You can't say, well, you have to wait for the police to come to protect your family. No, that's my right of self-defense. Now, I can loan them that right to help me defend, but I can't, I can't if I don't have the right to take it from my neighbor, um, myself, I can't say, hey, let's get the government to go take that extra tax or you know, punish them in some way or another. That's where it all falls apart, and that's where... Honestly, we were talking to somebody just the other day. That's where people um, are diametrically opposed to themselves. They, um, they want to live in a gated community, but then they don't accept the rules when they want to put a flagpole up. 
you want to put a flagpole up, live in another community. You chose that community because you like the way it looks. Or you're living out in the rural area or someplace that's not zoned, Houston, thank God. And, you're, and you say, I want to build this building right next. And then the neighbor says, well, you can't do that. Yeah, you can. You're living in the wrong city. I mean, you have to understand the conditions that you're in. Yeah. That's, that, is, that, by the way, is a difference between a libertine and a libertarian is that there are all sorts of rules and institutions and ways that we respect fellow human beings that have nothing to do with government. And we would actually take it a step further. We think government corrupts those values when it, when it codifies these things. And everything gets screwed up once you let politics start deciding what's right and wrong. But that doesn't mean that everybody gets to do whatever they want. It means that values come from the bottom up, from people working together in voluntary association, instead of some subcommittee taking a five to four vote, deciding, hey, this is the definition of marriage today. Okay, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Bernie people and the, the youth. And are you seeing that passion from the youth anywhere? How do you find oh, we, that? We think, we think Bernie's kids are a prime target, just as I think Ted Cruz's constitutional conservatives are a prime target, and that doesn't I think there's a huge jive. on both sides. Yeah. I think... I think the Cruz people are smart enough to know what the Constitution is, and so they're easier to get in the boat of libertarianism. But I think the, the youth of, of uh, socialism, they're such a blank slate that's just been poured into their head. Their values seem to be pretty solid, you know what I mean? They know yeah. what's wrong with the system. Yeah. They've just been poured the wrong answer. Once you show them another answer, that one should connect with them instantly. Instantly. We'll go into it in just a second. Now this, uh, big home security companies know that you want to keep your home and your family safe, and so they take advantage of that. They give you a, a free system, but what they do is they lock you into a long-term contract and make you pay 40 50 or $60 every month, and you can have that for years and years and years. It doesn't matter. You continue to pay for that system, and if you don't like it, go get another system. Well, then you have to have somebody come in and rewire your whole house, and you're still paying 50 or 60 bucks a month. Get out of the cycle, new way to do it, new technology, simply safe home security. You install it on your own. There's no wiring, there's, there's nothing. Um, it is all uh, Bluetooth, wireless, uh, and cellular technology. It is having a guard stationed in your house for $14.99 a month. The protection that I trust, my daughter, I helped my daughter and her husband put this in the house. If I can do it, a slug can do it. SimplySafeBeck.com. Get a 10% off offer right now at SimplySafeBeck.com. Save 10% right now at SimplySafeBeck.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. Um, we were just uh, uh, talking about uh, libertarianism and, and, and off the air. Uh, we were talking about Gary Johnson, and it, Stu brought up and said, you know, my biggest problem, one of my biggest problems with Gary Johnson is abortion. Uh, how does a conservative, well, he says he's pro-choice, 
How does a conservative get into the boat for Gary Johnson, who says he's, uh, or I'm sorry, we're pro-life. How do you get into the boat with a guy who says I'm pro-choice? Yeah, I think the rhetoric is confusing because if you look at Gary Johnson's record, he was the first governor to sign a limit on partial birth abortion. Nobody knows that. Gary doesn't talk about it. But more importantly, 99% of the issues that we debate when it comes to pro-life versus pro-choice is all about federal funding. There's only one candidate in this race that is against funding Planned Parenthood, is against any sort of government involvement in the question of, of providing abortion. And more importantly, I think, it all gets back to the Constitution and the proper role of government. He's the only candidate that's actually going to his litmus test for a, a Supreme Court justice is whether or not they respect the Constitution. He's the only one candidate in this race that actually respects the division of labor between the three branches of government, respects the idea that the president's not a dictator, the president doesn't get to arbitrarily do things or not do things. He's, he's part of the three branches of government that was specifically designed to limit government power. I think that's the difference. Tell me about his running mate. <laughs> so, Neither of you guys want to answer that. No, I, I, oh, I, I'm just to, not as familiar. Yeah, I, I, Matt is more. I actually worked at the Republican National Committee when Bill Weld was running for governor. So I, I remember the ancient history of Bill Weld as a very successful governor running in a very liberal blue state. And this is a guy that actually was sort of the the libertarian star back in the in the early 1990s when there really wasn't such a thing. In Republican politics, um, he is a social liberal. He's—he's—I think he's different than a libertarian. He's—he's he's a social liberal, but in terms of what? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Social liberals can be libertarian, can't they? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so why do you say it's different? Because most most libertarians, I think, that get the 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 attention are the social liberals. They're they're the ones who are the socially conservatives that kind of get beat up. You know, those are like. You're not libertarian enough. So, I'm sorry, I was just confused. No, that, well, he's Chris is better on this. I'm going to hand that one to him, <laughs> or not? No, he looks confused now. No, well, you, you talk about Bill, or Mr. Weld. So, yeah, yeah. Finish the Bill Weld thing. We'll come back. No, I, I think I think Bill Bill Weld is a small government conservative in practice, more than he is a libertarian. So this is kind of what you're saying is kind of what Penn Gillette and I talk about, which is. We have 30 years to disagree. This is a step. This is actually a, an anti-progressive step in the right direction. That's what you're saying. Yes. It's also the only ticket that has any executive experience. Right? I mean, the Republicans crazy. and Democrats don't have that at all. Think, think about this. For, for the entire life of the Tea Party, we have been lectured on what is an acceptable candidate. And now we have somebody fits a bill and they're telling us we can't do this. Mm. Back in just a minute. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
the Glenn Beck program. Trying to jam everybody together. Talking about uh, libertarianism, we have uh, Chris Roofer, who is um, uh, uh, a guy who started um, Morningstar, the Morningstar Company, which is this gigantic um, uh, tomato packing um, empire that has made him a, a very important libertarian because of the principles of the company and has made him in a, uh, into a guy that has the, the time and the money to be able to try to further libertarian thought. Now, there, uh, are you a he- in charge of the super PAC for I am. Matt? So I'm, Matt Kibbe is also here. I am the founder and head of Alternative PAC, which is a libertarian PAC supporting Gary Johnson for president. Okay. So let's go back to what we were talking about here just a second ago, Chris. On um, we were talking about how libertarianism um, and uh, it is totally different from the understanding of what conservatives and traditional liberals or progressives uh, are are fighting over, and how they are connecting to the parties, and they're just assuming that one is going to win, and it's never going to happen. I that's. <clears throat> That's my point, is that you, I, I think, again, conservatives have a, a really a set of personal values and liberals a set of personal values. And when liberals go to become Democrats, they're, uh, they're accepting policies which incorporate the use of force, which they personally don't believe in. Same for conservatives. They, they're strong, good values, and they, uh, they go over to be Republicans. And now when Democrats and Republicans are, it's just a continual fight there. And I think it's a never-ending Fight because what effectively Republicans are trying to do is, is conservatives trying to change the values of liberals and vice versa. Liberals are trying to change the values of conservatives. And I don't think that's a winning war because those personal values are pretty well set in their, in their, in their human psyche, their personalities, their characters. So that's tough where libertarianism is saying respect those people on either side and sure, persuade. You want to change their views? Use persuasion instead of coercion. But to live together in harmony and, and drive happiness for all of us as individuals, respect them as persons, and go ahead and try and change your values. Yeah, and it's not, it's not just respect. It's don't legislate. Don't, don't um, use the government to force them to live the way you want to. It's why I think that the, the right has made, we made a huge mistake on the gay marriage thing. The, the gay marriage is so easy. When you explain to a liberal, a Bernie Sanders person. Look, here's the problem. Do you know why we have a marriage certificate? Do you know why we take a blood test? We take a blood test and have a marriage certificate because the progressives wanted through eugenics to stop the breeding of the black man and the, and the undesirables. That's why we have it. It was interracial marriage. It was, it was to, to, organize and engineer society. Before that, we didn't have that. That's right. So if you want to get your marriage certificate from the tree because you worship the trees out in the, in the, in the, you know, uh, the great forests of California, go for it. I'm not going to tell you what the trees must do. Don't tell me what my church must do. Now we live, now we're, now we're okay. Now we're okay. I think a person, a, a great example of, of how uh, conservatives should, particularly religious folks, should look at the libertarianism is to is really look at the example we have in America here. We have how many religions, official, official religions, hundreds? And, and those are very important personal values that people hold. 
very important. And yet, we have religious peace in this country. I don't know, in growing up, maybe there's been like two church burnings or something, and as long as I've been alive, I'm not sure. But we have virtually perfect peace, and yet we still have, you know, the, the, the fine young Mormon folks riding bicycles trying to persuade people to be Mormons. We have religious peace, and yet we have very differing personal views because we tolerate and we respect in America very early on human beings and their person and their religious So let's talk about something practical. What do you do when a religion doesn't do that? For instance, we had, and you know, the FBI looks horrible in this. Nobody's saying that, but that's, this is really falling on the FBI. They got tip after tip after tip, including from somebody who went to the mosque with the killer. He said, you know, everybody's saying Muslims don't do their part. Uh, I did. FBI rejected it. Um, uh, What do you do when we have even... We have Hillary Clinton saying it. Yesterday, four bills in the Senate. Uh, we have Donald Trump saying it. You know, well, wait a minute. Maybe we should, on the no-fly list, maybe we should take away people's constitutional rights because you might be a danger. As we get in more and more trouble, people are going to say, I want more and more restrictions. Yeah. How, how do you solve that? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous, slippery slope. And, and, and I say the first thing we do is get rid of political correctness. And more importantly, we have to appreciate that there is no such thing as a perfectly safe society. You are not going to stop someone that is, has been agitated to the point by some poisonous religion to do what happened in Orlando. We can't stop it. Um, we could stop taking away the rights of innocent, honest people. And the rush seems to be, let's go after the Second Amendment. And, oh, but, no, let's not take uh, the guns. Let's take due process instead. Well, let's not just do that. Let's go after the First Amendment. Should we still be allowed to associate with people? Should we be allowed to say what we think in a free society? It, it, I think that's the fight. It is really frightening. When, when this happened, by Tuesday, I looked at this staff and I said on the air, We are closer to losing our country than in any time of my life. And it's coming from all sides. First, second, fourth, and fifth amendment, let alone the ninth and tenth, gone. Everyone right now on both sides is talking about four, literally four of the uh, amendments, if not six in, in practice. Out of the top ten. Mm-hmm. And it could go away that fast. You have a catastrophic attack that fast those could go away. Mm-hmm. So when you have people, because you just said, you know, liberals look and they say this, these guys, um, and, but they don't really believe in authoritarianism. Uh, you said conservatives and they don't really believe in authoritarianism. Well, we're finding out some of them do. We're finding out there's a lot of Barack Obama is a pretty authoritarian kind of guy. Uh, and a lot of people like that. Uh, he's getting the job done. Donald Trump, uh, scary dude, mm-hmm. scary dude. Um, a lot of people are willing to accept that. There is a lot of Americans who have been brainwashed into this progressive mindset. So I used to believe, Matt, you know this, we worked together for years. We surround them. Okay. No, we don't. 
<laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> eh, wrong answer. Maybe, maybe eight years ago, maybe. This is why we're cloistered in the Oval Office right He's now. He's exactly yeah. right. And we're with all of our friends yeah. that we can trust. This is it. This yeah. is it. Um, uh, what do you do to move this to for- forward? And tell me what you're seeing with the youth. Well, I think, so part of the problem is um, we've been asking voters to shop in the equivalent of a grocery store in Caracas. There is nothing on the shelf. So if you're looking for the liberty alternative to right-wing authoritarian and left-wing authoritarian, you haven't found it very often in the, in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. But at the same time, people have better information and they're, and they're learning that these values of liberty are out there. They're fundamentally American values. They're what defined the Constitution and our founding I think that's the opportunity that we're facing today. And that's, that's why we started this project. Not be- what is the project? The pro- so Alternative PAC is really about educating voters about what it means to be a libertarian. Guess what? You don't like what Donald Trump is saying. You don't like what Hillary Clinton is saying. But you're sort of curious. that You've, you've heard this L word out there. What is that? What does that stand for? And I think as people dig into it, they're going to realize that this is this is a fundamentally American concept. You know, personal responsibility, the opportunity to do things that you can't do in other countries. It's just an amazing opportunity for us to, to turn people on to something really important. Yeah, you say, what do you do? Uh, countries go through these swings. Chile's gone through a swing. They're a dictatorship or socialist country. They went to, with Milton Friedman, they went to a free market uh, economy in a free market uh, world. They've got private social security there now. So for 25 years from 75 to 2000, they just went gangbusters. Great. Things grew. More prosperity, more prosperity. And then then there's an opportunity for, for some folks to come along and say, well, you, these folks are still poorer than these. And so right. let's steal from the rich and give to the poor. And these are solutions, this socialist program. And then the economy's fallen off there. So it goes up and down. So we either go One of two ways. You go down to a bloody revolution where people say, I'm sick and you're in Russia in 1989, you can't eat, etc. Or we talk and we try to convince, we promote, we persuade, try to persuade people of the different values and the different mental models that we use as to how this society should work. How should we work as individual human beings? So what we can do is we can talk. Uh, The unfortunate thing about things like Orlando is, okay, the, the thing you can see is a gun. And uh, gosh, nobody liked what happened there. And nobody think, for, I don't think how, how many people believe that really you should be carrying around AK-47s or whatever the, the, the folks, the dude uses. But uh, if we take our ball off the fundamental fact that there's values here that are going down in the society and this person had a set of values, that was a fundamental thing that was wrong. He believed in, in using force against other folks. That was wrong. The gun, if we take our uh, eye off the ball and focus on the gun instead of the true values, that's where we really lose long term. How do you get people to pay attention to values that are being lost when there's relatively no pain? Uh, I mean, I ain't going to preach Jesus in Beverly Hills. Go to Africa, but not to Beverly Hills. In America... Nobody's really feeling the pain of this. I mean, the pain that we should be feeling and will be feeling of this. How do you teach that? It's, it's very unfortunate that most people have to go down to, you know, drug addicts or whatever. They got to go yeah. down to the bottom yeah. before there's a recovery. The point is, though, if you look at it over thousands of years, actually, we do go under very large swings. And uh, the bottom is not as bad as the bottom before. 
So we had our 1930s and our wars, and maybe we learned something, maybe we didn't. But uh, the only hope is we keep pounding, such as what you are, and trying to persuade, convince, show people, and people can take it what they are. The psychological way exactly to turn a trick, to turn somebody uh, ideas from here to here, I don't know. And if anybody knew, they'd be using it. Are you raising money for this pack? Or I mean, from individuals? Yes, we're raising money from individuals, and and we just think whether you like it or not, politics is when people pay attention to these tough questions. It's a great platform. I never fully appreciated how much Ron Paul accomplished by yeah. being on the stage. He's created a generation of mm-hmm. of Liberty kids. Yeah. You know, they run around quoting Ludwig von Mises, and I never thought that that <laughs> it's would really, be really. It, it is. Right? You know, in in retrospect, I, I'm not a fan of Ron Paul because I think. He did things in Congress that don't really line up to what he said he was doing. But um, uh, it, it is, it's amazing his effect as you watch the ripple yeah. from him. Huge, yeah. huge effect. What are, these, what are the benchmarks for Johnson? Like he gets to, it's 15% for the debates, right? Yeah, so there's a, there's a commission that decides who gets to be on the stage. And the, the simple explanation is he needs to be running it. 15% in the national polls. Close is it? It's an unbelievably high bar to get in one debate. I mean, I, I, I recognize these debates and this commission is not a government commission. I know. Right. This commission is really run by the two major parties. Uh, you go back, it was actually formed, operated by the League of Women Voters as a very independent organization. Right. The League of Women Voters at some point, when the Democrats and Republicans got to, to where they were controlling it. The League of Women Voters officially resigned to say this is partisan uh, activity here and we're not going to be part of it. I mean, how do you get above 15% if you can't get into a debate? Well, well and if you can't get into a poll even. Right, yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's a chicken and egg thing, but I think, I think the way you do it is you do it through social media yeah. and you, you run around the mainstream Technology conversation. Technology is the equalizer now. And we've seen candidates, I mean, you know, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Justin Amash, I could list dozens of candidates that didn't get any support from the party infrastructure and still broke through to the public conscience, and that's what Gary has to hey, do. Hey, tell me uh, where the people can find out more and how you donate. Um, Alternative Pack is not live yet, so okay. check it out, alternativepack.com. Any day now, we'll be live, and, and obviously you can check out what we're doing at freethepeople.org as well. Okay. We have um, decided it's really strange. Nine years ago, I said I was conservative that leans libertarian. Stu was kind of a little farther behind. Pat was definitely not. Um, and uh, you, know, you were. You were the. Dare you define me. I know. I know. Um, but now, libertarian coming out. See? Stu, yeah. libertarian. Would you say you're libertarian? Oh, the Trump thing is shaking me. Completely. Yeah, Pat, libertarian. Mm. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. More than you used. To. More than you More were. Than- Jeffy? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, the world has changed. Now this. Yesterday, President Obama said, now is the best time to invest in the United States. Well, yeah, with Brexit on Thursday, maybe. Um, Stocks are being propped up by cheap money from the Fed. Uh, You know, I go for it. Go for it. You might want to look at uh, what everybody else is saying here in the last week. Let me see if I have any of these stories here. Uh, there's about eight different stories. Here's Soros warning uh, Brexit could trigger a crash worse than Black Wednesday. Um, gold may explode uh, if the U.K. leaves the EU. Um, uh, there's all kinds of stories about how this could cause a crash of cash. I have no idea. 
But Goldline has a Purchase Plus program, uh, which is the best new loyalty program out there. And in fact, if you buy a certain amount, I don't know the amounts, you're going to have to find out about it. But um, you buy a certain amount and they guarantee that price for a limited period of time. It can go all the way up to a year. So you buy it today, gold goes through the roof. You, get, you can buy it at that old price. Find out all about it. Read their important risk information. 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, we are working on a TV show about the American dream, and we want to hear from you. Could you be a part of the project? Submit a video of yourself giving us your answer on what the American dream really means. Send it to submissions at glenbeck.com. Deadline is Sunday, June 26. What does the American dream mean to you? Send us a video at submissions at glenbeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.